You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 272 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm um, great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's happening in Gina world? Uh, new member in the household, Val. New what you, member. Who? What? What? Okay. New member. His name is Damien. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is Damien furry? Mm-hmm. Damien's a dog? No. A cat? No. A possum? No. Just tell me. Huntsman. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, it's Australia. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, spider season, and Damien Lovely. is about. Uh, I'm not going to say hand span, my hand span, because that's a bit oh, large, but about half really my hand span. And wow. he currently lives in my ensuite. Ugh. In case anyone is arachnophobic, don't worry. This really is a podcast on photography. And this episode, we'll be talking about the complete guide to being a great second shooter at weddings with our guest, Misha Wynn. Yeah. But meanwhile, back to Damien, yeah. because obviously this is something that is of uh, has grave consequences. Yeah. So how are you going to get Damien? Damien's spying on you while you're in the shower. Yeah, he lives in my ensuite and uh, I need to have uh, sort of eye contact with him at all times so I know where he is. But for the last three hours, Val, mm-hmm. I can't find him. Mm, so I have good. to move out because yes. I don't know where he is. Okay. Yeah. That's he could just jump on you at any time well there's that and then you know that like there's people that go we'll just get the you know the spray out and and uh you know get rid of him but i don't do that i usually i try and maybe catch them and put them back outside uh because if you do something to little damien then you don't know that there might be thousands of others just ready to you know as backup take revenge exactly so uh yeah that's, uh, yes. yeah, you? I don't have Damien. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know that they have Venom, right? Huntsman? Yeah. I thought they were, like, I thought they were okay that they didn't actually hurt you. What are you telling me, Val? <laughs> I thought they were the safe. Well, I think they're probably, um... They're probably, I mean, they have venom to immobilize their prey. Um, and so they're not going to, but they're, you know, small creatures. They're probably not going to kill you. But according to Wikipedia, they've been known to inflict serious defensive bites on humans. There you go. All right. Okay. Mm. I'm moving out. 
<laughs> All right, enough about Damien, but thank you for sharing about the new member of your household. You've got an interesting link for I us. I do, so let's just keep it uh, keep it about um, uh, wildlife. wildlife. So uh, the comedy wildlife uh, winners I for 2019 these. have been I announced. And uh, some fantastic images, although Val... I reckon next year's should um, just get us to do the captions because who like yes. they're not they, they've missed so many golden opportunities with <laughs> naming their images, uh, but there's some yes. rippers and I can just see memes um, are plenty being created from yeah. these yeah, images. Yeah, this is great. I love these. I love the comedy wildlife photos, and we'll put the link in the show notes. But there is a, a photo of. Um, I think a cheetah grabbing a rhino's, uh, what did we call them? Knackers? Yeah, knackers. Grabbing his <laughs> knackers. Coolies <laughs> knackers. There's a, a bird yelling at another bird. There's an otter being, you know, that very is bemused. Cute. You know there Home Alone? An elephant. Yes, he looks like Home yeah. Alone. Um, there's an elephant <laughs> letting out an almighty spray, basically whizzing. It's a rhino. Um, oh, a rhino. Giving another a bird to... a little golden. I mean, oh, I shouldn't yeah. say that. <laughs> oh, a little bath. <laughs> a little bath. <laughs> um, there's gorgeous photos of, you know, like squirrels with their face in dandelions while the dandelions are being um, are, are flying away. There's a seal in a penguin trying to be real alpha males with their chest to chest to each other. There's a deer with uh, who's who's ca- completely camouflaged with leaves. There's like a baby, 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 baby gorilla leaning back as if he's had a couple of beers and he's, you know, having a relax. Just some fantastic photos that are definitely worth um, uh, checking out. We'll put the link in the show notes. And kudos to but- those uh, photographers because, you know, the, these one image, but no doubt they've camped out for ages oh, yes. and ages and ages. It's a lot. It's hard work. To get great images like this, they don't. They're not. They just haven't stumbled and gone. Oh, here we go! I'm going to get this award-winning image. They've put in the work and gotten up early and staked out those uh, uh, animals to get these amazing shots. So well done, fantastic. And um, what's been happening with the gold community this week? All right, so I've got uh, a, like uh, the the goldies are like going next level, and it's really exciting to see. And uh, you know, one of them posted uh, recently that they um, you know wanted to share that they they're celebrating uh, their their wins, and they listed all the reasons why they should be happy, which just makes me uh, so happy that you know getting their uh, a lot of them are getting their first paid gig, first commercial gig first weddings then others are moving on to uh, next level with their lighting and post-production and just seeing all of this happen Val is so exciting it's really uh, I love watching them uh, take off and grow in confidence most importantly and then (laughs) the thing I love now is a lot of them um, share their work and then they critique their own photos (laughs) (laughs) go here's where I need to improve this image so it's just fantastic to see I love it brilliant now if you'd like to find out more about the gold community and how you can be mentored by Gina have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community I love working with members of my gold community it's incredible to see them grow and develop as photographers here's what Kim Partridge had to say 
So I joined, I think, last July time after listening to the podcast for a little while and absolutely fantastic. I've been in there on a couple of occasions when I've been really stressed or I've had problems on a shoot and not only have I had fantastic encouragement from other members, um, but also like spot on advice quickly when needed from from Gina. So yeah, it's it's been a fantastic experience. How have you changed in terms of how you are as a photographer when you first came in to today? Just immensely. Um, I mean, when you look, if I look at my shots personally from from day one, and then look at how I'm shooting now, and just the way I'm taking my time more, composing differently, uh, using so many different tools that you've taught me over the course of this week is yeah, incomparable. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, let's move on to this week's episode, The Complete Guide to Being a Great Second Shooter at Weddings with our guest, Misha Wynn. Because, of course, we have done episodes before where we've talked about shooting at weddings, but this is really, really good. It's really specific because often before you become the primary shooter, you can be a second shooter, but also some people... That's just what they do. They like being the second shooter at weddings. So where do we go from here, Gina? Yeah, I mean, shooting weddings, it's probably one of the most stressful Stressful. um, and exhausting gigs, you know, a photographer can have. So there's... You got all these moving parts, Val. Val. Mm. So much going on, and often at the start of a wedding, you might have the bride in one location getting ready, but you've also got the groom in another location. Mm. So if you're trying to do it all yourself, then you're running from one spot to the other, and then also while the ceremony is happening, you've got all these beautiful reactions going on in the uh, in the audience that are watching mm. the wedding, and then the bride's coming up the aisle, but you might have the cute little flower girl that does something you can't be everywhere so I think that to be uh, a great photographer you know at the higher end I think it's essential to have a good assistant that's watching your back but that is separate to having a second shooter and I think um like many great wedding photographers do hire a second shooter to get all those extra little details uh, and so in this episode, we've got um, Dallas photographer Misha Wynn who shares um, her tips on how, how to become a great second shooter. So this is a great way in for new photographers who haven't shot a wedding yet, but they want to get their sort of um, feet wet and experience the wedding. So you, it sort of takes the pressure off you. You're not the main person. You're sort of supporting the the photographer so she she walks us through all the things you need to know to uh, approach a photographer and get a gig as as a second shooter but also uh, how you need to behave and and what makes that relationship work and uh, so she runs us through that and uh, sort of shares all the ways she got started and uh, all the positive traits of a second shooter what to watch out negative traits and heaps and heaps of great information Misha herself is a fantastic wedding photographer I've got some of her images in the show notes Mm -hmm. Uh, she does beautiful beautiful work and uh, yeah has some amazing tips so let's have a listen Misha Wynn welcome to the show how are you going good thank you so much for having me everything's going 
pretty well. (laughs) Fantastic. It's great to have you on the show today. I'm excited to chat to you. Before we start, I always ask our guests, guests, where in the world are you? I am in uh, Dallas, Texas. Amazing. And uh, we were just having a, a chat before. Uh, so it's uh, uh, the weather's all over the place, isn't it? Like, like, I guess, the rest of the world. So you get some um, very hot summers, hot, dry summers. But in uh, winter, it's kind of mild, isn't it? Yes. And it's actually nice for most days. Um, tonight, it's going to drop down into the 20s. So that's not going to be too nice. But mm. um, for, the, for the most part, the fall is pretty, pretty mild and the winters aren't too bad. And, and you're kind of lucky in that you get a very long wedding season there, like almost 11 months. It's, uh, it's only uh, January that you kind of, no one gets married, I guess, because they don't <laughs> like to be married in the snow and get frostbite. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really weird. But actually, for this January, I actually have three weddings, actually. But usually that's my off month. I usually only have maybe one or sometimes no weddings. And then everything starts to pick up around March and then it goes until... Um, late November. Amazing. Sometimes December. Yeah. You're so lucky to have that. Um, so how long have you been shooting for now? I originally started shooting weddings in 2008. Right. So, so it's, it's been a while, you know, I did go through a down period and then I came back and rebranded, um, in 2014. Fantastic. And did you did you start like this was sort of a, a sea change for you because you had a different career before? Uh, was that uh, architecture? Is that right? You were yes. I went to college for architecture. Now I really I just fell in love with anything that was art related. Yeah. Um, but I went to school for architecture, and one day in two thousand and eight, I just decided that I wanted to I wanted to own my own business, and I wanted to. To, to learn more about photography and I did it and I didn't really stop until I really just got good at it. <laughs> so how, how do you think the studying architecture has influenced how you see as a photographer? That's a good question. Um, I believe it's helped with my perspective, mm. um, the angles that I use, um, the way that I capture shots, crop a shot and, you know, pose people. Um, so, the, the use of perspective, I think, is very um, – architecture has helped me with that. And architecture is very detail-oriented. Mm. Um, everything you do is is on purpose, has to be for a reason. And so I think that's uh, helped me with how I capture moments and how I capture shots and being patient and waiting for, waiting for the right time. And so with the, with the photography, so you did the course – in architecture, did you study photography? Are you self-taught? How how did that look? I am actually self-taught. I didn't take, I took almost every type of art class, even ballet in college. I took ballet. (laughs) I did (laughs) ballet and I took drawing classes and I took art classes. I did not take a photography class. You know, it really wasn't until 2008 when I just decided that I wanted to go into photography learn and I think because of my art background I think that's why it wasn't really hard for me to pick up and learn so I am pretty much self-taught yeah as far as photography goes yeah and so from from the decision to I want to be a photographer to sort of uh being uh, paying the bills how long did that take (laughs) oh uh 
Because there's a lot of um, really poor information out there. Uh, and I've been honest about my journey and it was like for me uh, it was uh, maybe a good five or six years hand to mouth and uh, I remember in that time thinking that I was the only one that it took this long and there was something wrong with me and so what I would do during that time is find anyone who was in business who was ahead of me five, ten, fifteen years and I'd ask them all the same thing what was what was it like for you? How did you get started? How long did it take you? Did you struggle at first? And the, everyone had the same answer. Was that the case for you or did you get going fairly quickly? Well, you know, honestly, I did get, get going fairly quickly. I think that I'm pretty good at, at marketing mm. and putting myself out there. But the majority of what I would make, I would turn around and invest in, yeah. in education and in um, more equipment and learning and websites and and it, it was more of an investment stage i would say um within the last three years i've gotten to a place to where um you know i'm, I'm actually being able to keep <laughs> a lot of what I, a lot of what i'm making and, and not invest as much yeah. but i think it goes in phases because you know at some point you have to you know buy new equipment or yep. upgrade your equipment so um, I'd say about three years ago, I got to a place to where I was actually using a lot of, you know, that actually I was using the profit that I was making. Yeah. Did but you have I a side still, hustle? Sorry, Misha. Did you have a I, side hustle as you were doing that? Did you have a, a part-time job or how did that look? No, I work full-time and I actually still do work full-time. And the reason why is because I do have kids. And yep. so I just you know, want to make sure that I have a, a stable, um, you know, place for them, you know, benefits and insurance and, and all that. So I just actually still do work full time. It's getting to a place to where it is extremely, it's getting a little bit more difficult to do that. But I am still working. <laughs> right. Architecture. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you're still an architect. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And so you're sort of doing this, um, I guess, after hours and weekends. Is it your own business, the architecture? Are you working for uh, yes? No, I am working for someone. I couldn't own my own business and do photography. I am working for someone. Um, but, but you know, what I've learned, what I've had to do is, is let go. I've had to hire qualified people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's the only way that I've been able to grow. Right. And so by, by qualified people, is that assistance, uh, uh, retouches and things like that? Yes. Mm. Yes. So you're, yes. so um, you're the main shooter on the day and then what, what sort of help have you got? So how, how does a, uh, an average wedding look, uh, for you? Okay. So, um, I do have an assistant that I work with that helps me with, um, you know, client management. Mm-hmm. Helps me with a lot of back end um, things that I need to get done to prepare for the day. I have um, a couple of a couple of second shooters that I use on a regular basis. The thing that's helped me is using a second shooter over and over again. So one of my main second shooters, she's been working with me for about four years. It's really a challenge to bring somebody on new and continuously work with new people because they don't know what to expect, they don't know what to do, you don't know how to work with them that don't know how to work with you. So it's, it makes it easier for me to go in and know that I have someone that is very skilled. We've worked together. She knows what I like and what I like to capture. 
and, and we work together very well. So that has been very helpful. Right. So I think we'll um, let's um, let's get more into this uh, second shooter because I think it's um, a great topic uh, to cover. So, um, what is like? What's your definition? What is a second shooter? What do they do on the day? Okay, so typically for most weddings, I work with the bride as she's getting ready. My second shooter is with the the groom and the groomsman as they're getting ready. And she takes the group shots of the guys and she works with them until uh, the wedding starts. And yeah. So during the wedding, we rotate, we get different angles uh, of the ceremony. And then the same thing for the reception. So, you know, working with the second shooter, for me, it means I'm working with someone who's not a beginner, someone who is skilled in weddings and skilled in photography and who's able to kind of take charge of, of that portion of of the wedding day. Uh, there are times when the groom is getting ready in a different location in the bride and I, and I need to make sure that I have someone that's reliable that's going to go in and know what to do. I don't have to hold their hand and they can you know, do the job completely um, throughout. And so as far as the ceremony is concerned, um, you know, I do like to have someone who understands the important pieces of a wedding and knows what to capture. Um, so that we can pretty much work in sync with each other. And then for the reception, we just capture different angles. Um, it allow, Working with another photographer allows us to capture a lot more candid shots, which I like to capture candid and you know emotional shots and um, just capture the essence of that day. It is it is an, a very important partnership, and when you see it done well, it, it kind of looks like a dance. It's like that the, the two photographers know each other so well that that you can almost guess that uh, okay, Misha's going to be over there. I can see that the bride's just turned her head. I know exactly where Misha will be, and so you, you know that you you've got your your second shooter has your back. Uh, but yes. there are instances where that goes horribly wrong, and I've seen I've seen it. I've experienced it myself I, I pr have probably been that second shooter that's just annoyed uh everyone um so there, there are obvious uh, did you always have a second shooter did you uh in the early days did you start out just doing everything yourself um no in the early days I did start out having a, a second shooter um and, and I've always known that, that it was beneficial, I guess, because I was kind of really anxious. And, you know, and I'm, I still get anxious during wedding days. Yeah, me <laughs> but, too. <laughs> but there's an anxiety there because it's you can't go back and do it again. No, you can't do go back overs. and live yeah. that moment. Yeah. So it's a safety measure, you know, in case something happens or in case, you know, your equipment fails. It's It's definitely helpful to have someone else there. Just on that anxiety, what do you do? Because it doesn't it doesn't go away. I mean, I know I know now that the difference between say me shooting twenty five years ago and me shooting now, this is like the level of anxiety is very different because I you know I know my gear, I know um, wh where I'm going to stand, I know how to handle most situations, mm -hmm. but it's still there because as you yeah. said 
there are no do-overs, you know, and it, it, it can be stressful. So what do you do um, as you're getting ready for the shoot, as you're heading to the shoot? Uh, what is your preparation? How do you manage that anxiety? Well, weeks before a wedding, I do have a questionnaire that I send out to the couples to capture a little bit of information. You know, it includes information such as are there any cultural elements? Are there any, you know, thing? Is there anything out of the blue that might, <laughs> you know, come about? Yeah. Is there anything that's non-traditional that's going on? I get information on their vendors, make sure I have the information for their uh, wedding planner if they have one. Another thing that I, I ask on the questionnaire, I ask about I ask who's going to be in the family shots, who they yeah. want to be in the family shots. And I, and I also ask if there's any, I can't remember exactly how I word it, um, if there's any family differences that we should know about yeah. so that we won't embarrass someone. You know, I don't want to look for grand, grandma and grandma's not living anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't want the you know, husband with four person. wives. Yeah, in a shot and, and they don't get along. So if we know that up front, then I can avoid that. And it's it's not as awkward of a moment. Um, you know, I'll call up whoever's next for their shot and then we just do that. And, you know, <laughs> the, the <laughs> brothers and brothers awkward. are not speaking to each other and you didn't realize <laughs> and you've called them up and they don't know. Where's Dave? Why doesn't he want to stay stand next to John? Oh, you're telling me this now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I, I will reach out to the wedding planner to get a timeline. And I look at the timeline and look at how many hours we have booked and, you know, and I, I give the event planner feedback on our internal, I create an internal timeline, photography timeline. So that tells me what time I'm going to arrive, what time my second shooter is going to arrive, what time hair and makeup is going to start, what time we're going to do, you know, photos, groomsmen shots, that sort of thing. And I communicate that back with the event planner so that we're on the same page. And, you know, another, another thing during that day, although I have anxiety, you know, I have to realize that no, no wedding is completely perfect. Mm -hmm. And I may go into this and it may be completely different than any timeline you could ever put together. I mean, sometimes you put together the most amazing timeline and it goes completely different and things come about that you don't expect. And it just happens. So um, I've just come to terms with the fact that it just happens. <laughs> There's so always got to be a plan B, doesn't there? Because you can say, oh, yeah. look, it's going to be a perfect day. And then suddenly it's pouring with rain all day or mm -hmm. like the bride is mm -hmm. running ridiculously late or something happens. Yeah. There's always something that goes on. So I guess you need to... Um, Having that running sheet, I think, is very important that you've uh, you've scheduled everything. And uh, um, do you, uh, with the second shooter, and obviously by now you've got uh, long-term relationships with your second shooters, but when you're um, bringing uh, someone new on board, how does that planning look? How does the brief session look with the second shooter? Like what, what is it that you're um, saying to them to make sure that, like when you're getting the, the bride, you, you know, walking up the aisle that the second shooter isn't standing in front of you, which has happened oh. to me. It's like, get out of the way. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, That's kind you know of what, you know, so, so when I look at someone's work, 
depending on what type of shooter I'm looking for, if I'm looking for an assistant, I'm not necessarily looking for someone who um, has 20 years of experience or anything, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm looking for um, whether someone has an ability to capture a nice shot. You know, some of the other technical items, how to use lighting, it's something that I can teach. But if you can capture a nice shot, then I think that that's a little bit more important to me for a beginner or an associate type of photographer. So when I meet someone and I'm looking at bringing on bringing them on to help out, I will send over a gallery of work so that they can understand the type of shots that we're looking to get. And so sometimes I'll sit down with them and I'll pull up a few shots and I'll I'll tell them exactly where I was standing and what lens I used, what settings I used, what lighting I used and why. And we'll kind of we'll go over that. And so during the, the day of if it's an assistant or someone that's shadowing, it's a little easier for me to walk them through. But if it's a second shooter, it's really hard to walk someone through a wedding day and you're expecting them to shoot and capture a different angle than you're capturing. Yeah. So yeah. so I try to bring on more experienced second shooters and and have the less experienced um, come come in as more of an associate or a third shooter. Associate, right. a third shooter. Right. There's been a few terms that you've said. Let, let, so let's just break down the difference between assistant, someone who's shadowing, and a second shooter. So the assistant, what's the assistant's role on the wedding day? Okay, for an assistant, assistant may help with, you know, staging details or, um, you know, making sure we have everything that we need, um, setting up lights, moving lights, um, you know, or getting special details that we can't get just because of the way the timeline is set up, maybe a few detail shots. I'm not necessarily really 100% relying on the shots of the assistant. They're, they're more there to help be an additional person to help. So but by details, are you talking about like the, the assistants getting the shot of the shoes and the ring and things like that? Um, yeah, it, it could be. It could be that, you know, while the bride's getting ready and my second shooter is in with the guys, I'm with the ladies, that assistant could get a few shots of, you know, the floral arrangements or the cake before yep. anyone gets into the ball. Yeah. Or, you know, or she could be in, in the room with me getting a different, you know, maybe getting photos of the flower girl while I'm getting the bride getting dressed. Yeah. Um, or maybe she's holding a light or you know, that sort of thing. So I'm not really 100% relying on her shots, um, but they are they, they are helpful to have. And the, and the assistant is really there to support you, to make your job. I, I guess it takes, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I encourage all photographers for every shoot to have an assistant because I believe it makes you a better photographer because it, you can just focus on the client and, and seeing the great shot and getting the great shot without having to worry about, you know, the dress, that have fixing the dress or, you know, get, get, having a light stand for the lighting or get, getting that reflector in and all those sorts of things so it takes all of that off off your shoulders and you can just focus on the day so like having a good assistant I think is so important the the shadowing how does that look what what is that sort of someone that you've brought in who is an absolute newbie and you get them to shadow you so could so you're training them up um it could be a newbie or someone that's really early 
you know, in their career as a photographer, a wedding photographer. And it's just my way of bringing someone along and just seeing if they would be a good fit. Um, and is that how you find out if you are going to be able to get on with a person or is it something that you do like uh, obviously d- d- you're not going to hire someone, say, through an email or over a hunt. Do you, how quickly do you um, meet with them and do you have a meal with them? What, what are the techniques to work out, am I going to get on with this person? Because often you're stuck in a car with that person for hours and then you're working with them for hours. You don't want to find out on the day that we're not a good match. I know. Yeah. So for me, it depends on how I meet them. If, you know, if I'm meeting them at a networking event, usually since we're face to face, I can get a good sense of, you know, if, if we'll kind of work together pretty well. You know, if I'm meeting someone from a second shooter Facebook group or if someone was, is referred to me, first thing I'll do is have a phone conversation and see how that goes and, and talk to them a little bit about their experience and what their expectations are. The next thing would be uh, like a face to face meeting or they would come in um, as a shadow and work as a shadow, meaning they're not getting paid. They're coming. They may shoot, um, but they don't have to. Um, and they're coming to just kind of follow along to see how I work during during a wedding day. And so from, from those meetings, I can usually tell if someone's going to be a fit um, or not personality-wise. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I think as a wedding photographer, there's a certain level of personality that that, that is needed. <laughs> I'm an introvert, but I think there's still a certain level of personality that's needed. I mean, you want to go in and you want to be helpful and make sure that, you know, your couples feel comfortable around you. You turn it on on the day, don't you? You you can turn it on on the day. It doesn't mean that you're going to be like I'm exactly the same. And uh, you you know, on the day, uh, you're everyone's friend. And I guess um, when most people see an introverted photographer, and you said to them, "Is this an introvert or an extrovert?" Most people would pick you as an extrovert uh, because that's how you're performing on the day. So. So personality is very important. So what what are the, the character traits that stand out to you in that meeting? What are some of the things that uh, photographers have done when they're shadowing you that you've said, that's fantastic, this is, this is the kind of person I want to have around me? And on the flip side, what are some of the mistakes that, uh, uh, you know, first-time shadowing photographers uh, make? to maybe uh, not get the gig? Well, I I will say, you know, as a shadow, if you come in and you work hard and you're proactive and you're helpful and you're asking questions, that's a big plus. Um, But if you're a mentor, you know, if if you're coming along and you're just kind of sitting along the wall and you're you're not really doing (laughs) too much or at the bar with the guests, then (laughs) most likely I'm not going to hire you. But... (laughs) But I mean, that's a good that's a good way. I think bringing someone on to just kind of shadow you is, is you know is a good way to tell what they'll offer. And I think for beginning photographers that are looking to go in and shadow other photographers, I think what you want to do is is offer something before you ask. So you offer to come along and help them with their bags and with their lighting and with whatever they need. Versus, hey, can you show me? how to, <laughs> I, know, I want to be the second shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Show me how to be you or whatever. So I think it's important to ask how you can help um, because it's 
very hard to teach as you're you know, doing your job. Um, so if someone's actually helping and they're helping the, the entire time that they're there versus standing aside and they're being proactive, um, they're helping to you know, round the family up when it's time for pictures, I think that's a plus. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. So it's the that, that person, so, you know, for the newbies listening, it's a, a great way to get to know other photographers and hopefully to get that, that, that next gig as uh, – as a second shooter, but you want to show value, even if you, even if you don't know, um, if you don't understand off camera flash, or you don't understand exactly how to shoot in manual mode, you're an absolute newbie. You can be so useful on a day, but by just making sure that everybody's, Oh, look, I noticed that every, it's very hot. You've been out in the sun. I've just, I've got some water for you and, uh, I've got extra cards and, uh, you know, I noticed that there was, uh, I cleaned the, the, the rug where the bride was sitting. All those things that you can do without too many skills. I guess it's just being as uh, as as helpful as possible and keeping an eye on the, okay. making sure that the photographer's day runs smoothly. Yeah. Another thing that's helpful is for someone that's shadowing to actually bring their camera, take some shots after the wedding, send those shots over and say, hey, would you like to you know, take a look at some of the shots that I've gotten. Do you want to critique the shots? Do you, you know, you know, basically you want to show them that you're proactive and you want to work. Mm. So and I asking think- for critique, that's great because then that's, um, it, you're going to learn the photographer's style of shooting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So what, what are the... What, what are the, the the biggest no-nos as a as a, a shadowing or a second shooter that would just like not get you the second gig? Well, I think as a shadow or a second shooter, I think you want to come um, prepared. I think you want to come and look professional. I mean, we, we tend to wear all black, um, but I, I wouldn't want someone to come in you know jeans and tennis shoes. I want you to come as if you are you know working, especially if you are shadowing. Do you, uh, do, so you someone, tell, do you tell your um, second shooters or, or um, assistants, uh, do you give them a dress code? Yes, I do. Hmm. Yes. But, it, but sometimes if someone's shadowing, they're thinking that they're just there as an observer versus a worker hmm. when the guests view them as a worker. So um, they should be dressed as, you know, the other photographers. That gets a big tick with me when the first question that an assistant or a second shooter will ask is, uh, what's the dress code for the day? I go, yes, you're thinking about important things. That's <laughs> like a big tick for me yeah. because that yeah. is important because uh, they're there on the day representing your brand. So it's really important that they ask that question. So that, that that's a good tip for any newbies. Ask that question uh, first off. Yeah, so what are some other no-nos? Um, in terms of uh, second shooter etiquette? Well, you know, I, I make a point of, of not drinking during the wedding. Yeah. So I, I don't like for my uh, second shooters to, you know, take a shot with the bridal party or, um, you know, just go hang out at the bar and get a drink. I think we're just there to work. Um, so that, that that's just something that I personally don't don't like. Um, so they're not in the lobster dip um, 
hoeing in when it's getting sent around because it's like the star. Oh, did you have you tried the lobster dip? It's amazing. I'm gonna go get well, no, some more. We will eat. We will eat, but we we won't we won't drink. You know, no. I don't want anyone saying that we were tipsy or yeah. had too much to drink. We will eat. We will you know grab a slice of cake, <laughs> but um, definitely just no alcohol. Um, the other thing is, you know, I really I really believe that we are there to be um, helpful assistance and not cause any extra um, drama during that day. So I do like for the second photographers uh, and assistants and shadows to be very friendly, uh, very helpful, um, not arrogant, not cocky, you know, not there to be really pushy. Um, we want to get the great shots, but at the end of the day, it's their wedding day. Yeah. Uh, so it is a turnoff when someone's being extremely pushy, cocky or you know, arrogant or mean or disrespectful to anyone. And that's uh, most likely I won't um, hire that person again. Yeah. And the second shooter is there for you. So I guess it's not, it, that's not the day for them to be handing out their business cards to the guests. Well, I've had that happen before. Of course you have. <laughs> oh, yeah, so have I. We all have. That's why I've brought it up. So, um, but if we don't say it out loud, I think people think that's perfectly, because I think the, the, um, the assumption that a lot of um, people coming into the industry are making is like, well, this is an opportunity for me to get ahead, so I need to network while I'm at the wedding. But that's po- probably the biggest no-no that, that a, an assistant or a second shooter can do is uh, take advantage of uh, your goodwill and your clients on, on a day like that. Oh, yes, yes. I think that they just, they would definitely need to understand they are there to work with that lead shooter. Yeah. It's their job and they're there to assist and not to book clients from that event. So let's just get into the nitty gritty. So the, um, when you, are planning with your second shooter how how does that look so tell me how you're you're directing the second shooter um to to work Uh, do you expect them to um shoot in a style that is similar to you and uh how are you working out where to place them so that you're not crossing over how does that look I do expect them to shoot in a style that's very uh, similar to mine. Yeah. Um, again, when I'm bringing someone on new, I will um, give them a gallery to look at so they can understand yeah. the type of shots that I'm expecting. The benefit of working with someone long term is you don't necessarily have to have those conversations anymore. Yeah. And so that takes away a lot of anxiety. It takes away a, a lot of nervousness uh, during that day um, because you don't have to have those kind of conversations. So, um you know, the main second shooter that I work with, you know, I can just tell her what time to be there <laughs> and that she's capturing the guys and where to go. And, and she, she knows what to do. Um, and so we work very well. Now I'm working with someone new. Um, you know, I do try to direct them as far as where to stand and which shots to get and what shots are important to me. And so what's been helpful is uh, let's say during a reception, I will uh, you know, tell a second shooter, do you mind capturing this shot or from this angle? And once that person, once they capture it, then we look at it and I say, well, this is the reason why I, I like that shot is because of the backdrop and the lighting and this or whatever. Mm. So I try to explain why I like that shot. 
um, I, I try not to just order someone around. I'll tell them exactly why. So yeah. sometimes that's helpful. And then, you know, for some people that are a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more spunk to them, they can take that and they, they can keep, keep going. It's more difficult when I have to tell someone exactly where to stand for each shot. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, so that's why I like someone who's, who's more of a go-getter, who's, who's a little bit more excited. So have you got a floor plan of the venue? So early on when it's a new second shooter, are you are you planning it like that? So you're saying, okay, so the bride's going to come in. I'm going to be standing here. I want you down here. And you'll actually indicate that. Or do you do a walkthrough? How does that look? Um, so sometimes I will, depends on if they have a planner or not. And some, some brides don't have the the floor plan available. If, if they have the floor plan available, if the planner has a floor plan available ahead of time, I will ask for that. And I will think of that in my mind. I won't necessarily communicate that to the second shooter until the day of, um, usually when my second shooters arrive, um, we will kind of do a really quick walkthrough, um, as far as where everything is and what I would like and what I wouldn't like, where I would like some group shots and where I would like maybe the green shots. Um, so we do a quick walk through then, but that's something that I've already, you know, thought about beforehand. Right. Okay. And so do you give the second shooter a, um, a list, a physical list of a, a shot list? These are the shots that you need to get. Um, no, not unless I'm working with someone for the very first yeah. time. So for the very first um, time you will, and then a couple of times after that, and then you'll let them do it, do it their own way or? Um, so, so at the very beginning, if it's someone that I'm working with from the very beginning, I will give a shot list and I will identify which shots we typically get for a typical wedding. Right. And I'll explain why. So yes, from, from there, as long as they get those shots and then they can take additional shots that they choose and that's completely fine. But yeah, I, I try to, I try to identify which shots I actually love and then I want to capture for each wedding. Okay, so you said that um, shadowing, like, so someone trying to break into uh, the wedding industry, a great idea to maybe ask some photographers that they're in um, Facebook group with, with or that they meet at a networking event, can I shadow you? And that means I will carry your bags, I will bring you water, I will hold the reflector, uh, I might take a couple of shots. Uh, next step up from that is hopefully after you shadow once or twice, and that is uh, that there is no payment on that day. But I think um, from the photographer's perspective, if I have, uh, I call them luggers, they, they carry the bags, right? If I have someone like that, I feed them um, through the day and I, I cover their, their meals. And do, do you do that as well? If you're not paying them, you'll make sure that they're fed and looked after in that respect. Um, yes. And I have it in my contract. If we are working a wedding, wedding that's over a certain amount of time, then we, um, will have a dinner. And so I usually, I make sure that the, uh, the couple in the venue know how many photographers we have on that day. So yeah. yes, they will get the same benefits as, you know, as, as we will. And, and I think that's really important to look after them. From the photographer's perspective, you look after your, your assistants uh, so that they don't fall over on the day. Um, and I often tell my, uh, my new male assistants, 
um, that I'll, I'll say it might be eight hours before we eat. So if you're one of those guys that falls over, if you haven't had enough food, pack your bag with uh, muesli bars or something like that, <laughs> protein bars to get you through the day. With the second shooter, um, how, how are they, they're obviously getting paid and ha, how do you work that out as a percentage of what you're um, being paid as, a, as the main shooter? Well, I have a um, a standard rate for uh, second shooters, mm-hmm. so it's an it's hourly rate. And uh, so that's hourly rate. It's not a flat rate, so it's hourly. No, no, it's a, it's an hourly rate. Okay, and so are, are you keeping? Are you asking the second shooter to arrive when you arrive, and are they staying till the end, or are you only getting them for the sort of the main bit, and then after the ceremony they leave? So for for most events, uh, the second shooter will arrive um, when I arrive at times or uh, just because it usually takes women a lot longer to get dressed than just the guys. So typically the second shooter will arrive about two hours before the wedding may vary depending on, on the situation. And that that gives them enough time to get the guys getting ready, a few detail shots of the guys. And the second shooter usually will stay until maybe um, the toast um, or after the first dances. It just depends on the size of the wedding. If it's a larger wedding and if the the couple has requested to get, you know, shots with all of the guests, then I may keep the second photographer a little bit longer. But usually it's, it's, you know, the second photographer leave maybe right after the toast. And so, as like as a percentage of your without asking what your fee is, but as a percentage, what would you pay the the second shooter? Is it twenty percent, fifty percent of your rate? What what are they getting? Um, you know, I hadn't, I've never looked at it that way. You've got to do, you've got to do math. I'm, I'm making you do complicated math now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I would say it's probably. Well, there's another thing too. Usually, the second shooter doesn't stay um, mm. the entire time, so maybe about ten percent, maybe ten percent. So it's it's, uh-huh. it's on par with a, a an assistance rate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. The second shooter, in terms of their responsibility, uh, who is editing the images after the fact? Is that the second shooter or are you asking for the raw files? How does all of that look? So what happens at the end of the day? Are they just handing over the card? Are you supplying the cards? How does that look? Um, I, w- I will prefer, I would, I usually prefer to supply the cards. Hmm. Um, that way I know that I can, um, I'll have the cards at the end of the night and I'm not waiting on someone to upload them. Yeah. Take the chance of getting lost or stolen. Um, I do edit the photos. Yep. So I take raw images and I will edit those along with my photos. Yep. So a second shooter just comes, shoots, and then, you know, they leave and they turn over the images. Um, they can keep the images to use for social media. They can or um, they can't? Yeah, they can? They yes. can. They yeah. can. I just prefer that um, they wait until I post and oh. uh, they can post. Now, if I have a client that 
that chooses not to have their photos posted, I will communicate that with the second shooter. And I do expect for them to honor their the client's wishes. So I think, is that something that you have in writing as a contract with your second shooter? So you can say, okay, so obviously the second shooter has the copyright to their images because they mm. shot them. But yes. it's uh, a, a kind of a different relationship where you've, um, you're going to edit the images um, in, in your style. But after the fact, after you've posted the wedding and the, the client's got theirs and they're all happy, then the second shooter is, um, it's perfectly fine for them to use them as folio shots. Is that right? Yes, yes, they yes. can use them for portfolio shots, yes. And in the contract, it, it also says that I can use them as well, but sometimes I will use them on Instagram or social media, but I will tag the photographer, the second photographer. Right. I may use them in a album to tell the entire story for that wedding day. Yeah, of course. Uh, but those those are not images that I will submit to, you know, for awards or anything <laughs> because they're not my images. Um, so... Uh, I only use them for uh, marketing material yep. and not as a representative of, of my work. Yes. And so the second photographer can use them as, you know, as they choose. And just um, just back to the nitty gritty of the day shooting with that uh, second shooter. When um, when they arrive on the day, let's say, well, let's go back to the fact that it's a new second shooter, uh, and and they've brought their own camera. Are you um, syncing that camera with the date, time, stamp, so that it's exactly the same as yours, so that you get all the images uh, within the same time frame, or you, do you do that? I don't, but for my next wedding, I will do that. I do yeah. have an outside editor, and he goes crazy. Yeah, because they're all <laughs> over the place. Otherwise, you've got, like, when you download the images and then you'll see 500 images later that, oh, we've got more of the the ceremony here. So, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, a really good thing to do. So I think that's um, probably something that uh, second shooters, new second shooters should uh, add to their list. So um, I yeah. just want to now like compile a little list of uh, do's and don'ts. So basically as a new photographer, it's a great thing to approach a photographer and ask to shadow and uh, to not expect um, that's something that you would do as a freebie. How many times do you think is fair to shadow uh, a photographer before you uh, get a paying gig with them? Because I know there's a lot of photographers that uh, unfortunately will take advantage of uh, yes. new photographers and string them along for months and months and months before they um, actually start paying them. So what, what do you think is a fair amount of time to, to work for free? That's a tricky one. I don't wait, really wait, have let me let me change that f phrase because okay. I don't like saying work for free. It's, um you know, work for that opportunity because it is a learning opportunity. Yeah, I think that is that's a tricky one. You know, if if someone is wanting you to work as a shadow for, let's just say, six months, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. But I think once that photographer is expecting you to come and produce, yep. a, a, then I think that, that it's time to um, that they pay you yep. as a second photographer or as an assistant. 
So when you're on the set and there's no, you're the extra person, there's no expectations on you other than what you're going to bring as value adding. You're getting the water, you're carrying the bags and, and mm. all of that. But the, when the photographer is expecting you to be second shooter pretty much yes. and then yes. delivering the files. And then I've heard of um, uh, new photographers coming in and also saying, and then I went home and uh, edited the 2000 files that I took and gave them to the photographer and the oh. photographer wouldn't let me even share any of the images. That's not right. <laughs> no, 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 that's not right at all. So no. you're being taken advantage of in that sort. Okay. Yes. So, so you're shadowing you, you, and uh, shadow for the, the point where you're learning and you, you're getting a lot out of that relationship. And hopefully that gets you to the second shooter. Good things to ask uh, to make a good impression is uh, what, to wear on the day uh, you want to make yes. sure that you ask the photographer for a, a shot list I think it's important like a lot of new photographers are not asking enough questions of what is expected of them so you have that pre-meeting and you're asking okay where do you want me what is expected of me and uh, continue to ask uh, questions through the day without being annoying because it's like the wrong questions to ask I guess is how, how did you do that with the off-camera flash? Can you show me now? <laughs> you know, in the middle right. of the, you doing the lineup shots. So asking lots of questions. And then as second shooter, you also want to be um, have a, a good plan um, and uh, know the angles and also really, I guess, study the photographer that you're working for so that you can get a sense of uh, the look and feel, uh, how they shoot, because yeah. everyone's got a distinct style. So I think that's important to really uh, have an understanding, look through all their shots. Yeah, and, and I think it's also important to be honest uh, with what you – can bring to the table. And I think it's, it's important for the photographer to be honest with the expectations. So, you know, as a second photographer, if you don't have the, the, the same quality of equipment, then I think you need to be, um, honest and upfront about that. Beforehand. Before. Yes. Mm. So they're not turning up with their iPhone saying, I've got this, is that okay? It takes really (laughs) good photos. Yeah, and, and that may be a question that you ask. You know, if you're a beginner photographer, beginning photographer, and let's say, um, you know, the lead photographer uses all prime lenses and you don't have any, then that's something that you might want to ask. You know, tell it, tell the photographer what equipment you have, and ask if, if it's okay. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so, as a bare minimum, what w- would you expect your second shooters to have gear wise? Um, well, definitely a, a full frame, full frame um, camera that they are comf- comfortable with using. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter whether it's a Nikon or Canon or, mm. or Sony. Um, but prime lenses, I do use a fifty one point four. Yeah. Uh, so I do want someone to have a very, you know, a oh. list of, of a couple of prime lenses. Um, you know, if they just have one, then that's something I would I would want to know so that we can take advantage of that one lens. But if if I would prefer for them to have a couple of different lenses that they are comfortable using. Yep. And so, also, so um, one body or two. Uh, one body. Yep. One body is fine. A couple of uh, prime lenses, or um, and then a speed light. Mm. Um, 
I would prefer for them to have the option or have off-camera lighting equipment. Um, but in some cases, um, you know, if, if they have a pocket wizard, they can shoot off my light. Um, right. But definitely a speed light, a nice speed light. Yep. And modifier? Um, not necessarily for weddings. Right. So you just use bare flash for, for weddings? I do. My second shooters don't, but I do. You do? Uh, yeah. On all your images? Uh-huh. Yeah. N- naked flashy, not, not even the, um, in, in all of them? Yeah yes pretty much so sometimes it's just the way that i bounce the flash all oh, right so you're bouncing setting. you're not directly yeah. hitting them no with, it's uh, not yeah, no yeah no. that's great i'm just having like a look at, yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough the, the only one that i do like is is the pro photo the um speed light they have with the little yeah um, with the little disc on the on front it. yeah it's a, I, I do like that one as an off-camera light not yeah. on camera light, but yeah yeah like are there uh anything is there anything that i've uh, left off that list um no I, i'd say the one thing that i really really focus on with a second shooter is personality and making sure that our personalities match and mm. making sure that I'm working with someone that is that is pleasant. Um, I don't want the couples to come back and complain because, yep. you know, the person was nasty or had a nasty attitude. So yep. that is something that is very important to me. It's actually, <laughs> it's, it's everything. Really nice. I think it's everything. Yeah. So, and, and I think one of the big things is don't be afraid uh, at that initial meeting to show your enthusiasm and excitement to be doing that job because I think uh, a lot of uh, new photographers wrongly believe that it's like, I don't want to be seen as uncool. So I'm just going to say, oh yeah, this is okay. I'm kind of, yeah, it's fine doing this or pretending to be not excited when you are. So Mm -hmm. I would rather hire someone who is passionate and excited to be there over someone that's, um, you know, might have a better folio and uh, is not as easy to get on with. Because you're sitting in a car with them. You're with them all day. It's a a really important relationship. It is. And the other thing is, you know, I've, I've seen some photographers who are so eager to get the shots. They are almost bullies. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I don't really believe in that. I want to get nice shots, but I want the couple to really enjoy their day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to stop the ceremony to get, the, you know, certain things or make you redo something five different times. I want to put myself in a position to capture a natural shot, a nice shot, um, in, in a very unposed way. It is your day. I don't, you know, I, it's already enough stress on that day. I don't want to add extra stress by being a bully, you know, and make you stand in all of these positions that you don't want to stand, (laughs) you know, and make you redo something 20 times. Um, so I, I think it's important that you understand that it's not necessarily about my portfolio. It's about providing the client, the client with, quality wedding images. Yeah, and I think that the the for the second shooter having that opportunity to shadow a few times, you're going to get a sense of the photographer's personality and how mm-hmm. they speak to the clients and uh, how they engage and you can sort of um, take from their lead and, and uh, yes. that, that's how you'll be as well. Fantastic, Misha. That's some great information there. Um, it's been amazing chatting to you. Is uh, Where can people find you if they want to check out your work? 
Well, my website is www.lavishlylux.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at lavishlyluxstudio. Twitter, although Twitter is, you know, yeah. my tw- Twitter's a little bare. <laughs> and Facebook uh, at lavishlylux. Um, I also do have a mentor um, program that's uh, visible from my website. Fantastic. So I'll put all those links uh, in the show notes so people can go and check out uh, the beautiful work that you do. And it is amazing. There is a real uh, energy and beautiful natural life in those images. So, you know, I can see uh, I can see your fingerprints all over all these images. So beautiful work. Congratulations. And uh, thanks so much for, for the chat today. It's been amazing. Thanks so much, and good luck on your podcast. It's amazing, and I wish you continued success. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, there is Misha Wynn, and as Gina mentioned, you can check out some of her images in the show notes, which you'll find at ginamilitia.com, but you can also go straight to Misha's website, which is lavishlyluxe.com. Dot com. That's lavishly, the word lavishly, and the, lux is L-U-X dot com. And um, if you want to check her out on Instagram, it's lavishly lux studio. Right now, so it's time for Aussie slang of the week. We need a little. <laughs> we need a little jingle, Val. Yes. Yes, Aussie Slang of the Week. What is our Aussie Slang of the Week this week, Gina? Another favourite. They're all favourites, really. Uh, spit the Dummy, Val. Oh, yeah, Spit the Dummy. Yeah, he he was so cranky, he spat the dummy. Or you drank his beer, so he spat the dummy. She um, got really annoyed, so she spat the dummy. Yep. Or you can shorten it to spat it. He spat, spat it. it. He totally spat it. <laughs> so it's in, to indulge in a sudden display of anger or frustration, to lose one's temper. Mm. So it's a similar – so it's uh, you're taken from the fact that, you know, when a child loses their temper, a baby, they'll, they'll throw their dummy across the room, spit yes. the dummy, spit it, spat the dummy. When was spat the, last the dummy time when he didn't the get the promotion. When have I spat the dummy? When was I don't the last time spit you spat the dummy, Val. Probably when we were working together last. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> One sure. of us will spit it at some point. Yeah, probably. Calmly. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I don't think there have is I spat such the thing of calmly spitting the dummy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I spat. Oh, yes, I did. No, I haven't. Not for a long time. Okay. But I definitely have. Yes, yes. But it's usually I've got a different way of my dummy spits are a bit more um, quiet and people don't realise that I'm furious because uh, I do it the Sicilian way, which is I I think has much greater impact. I realise when it's happening. What's that? I realise when it's happening. You know when yeah. I'm annoyed? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying More, it doesn't. I'm yeah, just yeah. Just that... you always keep you keep it together quietly and you just explain quietly what you've seen that's just happened. Mm-hmm. And then you ask how it's going to be um, fixed. Yes. With a smile. There you go. All right. So spit the dummy. If you guys <laughs> spit the dummy this week, let us know about it. All right. Yes. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? 
I've got some shoots coming up, Val, um, and then I've got to uh, actually, after we finish here, I'm now go- about to uh, record a tutorial for the Goldies. What about you? I am. Uh, I've got some prototypes coming of some products mm-hmm. of cushions, cosmetic bags, and scarves. Because so now you're a um, uh, <laughs> like, what's the name of it? You, you're now creating. Um, what's the word? What do you do? Design homewares and accessories. You're a homeware design mogul. <laughs> accessories. Not quite You're mogul. All accessories right. and homeware. Where do we what find... am I getting for Christmas then? Well, Which one are you range? Maybe some cushions. <laughs> cushions? Well, you can have cosmetic bags or scarves. I don't think you wear scarves. What's wrong with the journals? Oh, yeah, or journals. With quotes? Yes, that's I right. I can't believe like I didn't get one for my birthday. Oh, yes. Okay. I've got, I'll, I'll get I was organized. really disappointed, Val, just quietly. All right. So um, where do we find you online, Gina? GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. You can find me across all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and you want to be mentored by me, you can just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community, which is the goal community. And if you want to ask me a question, you can ask in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook Group. group yes just or, search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on facebook and if you're not into facebook you can send us an email so that's news at com. if you've got any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast what about you val fantastic you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at com, where you'll be able to see some of the notebooks or cushions and my christmas slash birthday present (laughs) for the next five years all right thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information free resources and gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer visit ginamilitia.com 